We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, another another week, another Tiger tournament. I got a lot of golf going on. We got a lot of OSU golf to talk about. But uh, first, I think we're going to talk a little wrestling. I'm fired up. Yeah, you you've been you've been. Uh, we reference Seth Duckworth all the time. He's obviously our uh, wrestling writer. He's been covering wrestling for us for a couple years now, and uh, he's he's pretty deep in that world. I, I know you have some some Dayton fix questions for him, and uh, Oklahoma State takes on Iowa this weekend. Number two versus number three should be exciting. Yeah, I mean, with the basketball program where it is, I think it's a, a great opportunity for Oklahoma State fans in general at large to pack the house at Gallagher-Iba and make some noise and, you know, uh, bring it back to what OSU used to be, a wrestling school. It used to be a wrestling school, first and foremost. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity. Obviously, John Smith does a great job, and they need uh, they need the rowdy back in uh, Gallagher-Iba. It's, it's a big-time uh, event on Sunday. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I I, I want to ask him because it's it's kind of weird, right? Because it it's almost like a regular season. Like like how much does number one, or how much do two of the top three teams playing each other in the regular season? How much does that matter? Like what Oklahoma State and Iowa care about is national championships, but do, like how important is this for both teams? I'm that that's kind of the the part that I'm curious about to ask him. Um, so yeah, let's let's get over to him. We'll call him, bring him in, and uh, hear about the OSU Iowa duel. Okay, we are joined right now by Seth Duckworth. Does a great job for Pistols Firing covering the OSU wrestling program. Seth, are you uh, are you as fired up as we are for uh, OSU Iowa? I would say that's probably an under- understatement. <laughs> for sure, yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, pretty excited for it. So. Yeah, I, the thing that that we were kind of talking about before we called you is just. You know, the thing, the 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 part that Oklahoma State cares about is winning national championships, right? And so, how much, how important is a regular season duel with another top team? How much do each of these programs care about this compared to what they care about the postseason? Oh, I would say a lot. <laughs> it, it's not. It, it, I mean, obviously, it doesn't win the national. It, it's not what's going to win you a national title. But when you look at these guys going head to head in every recruiting battle on the planet. When you look at um, all the other things that play into it, you know, just momentum going into the postseason, I think is a huge thing. Um, perception of your program, which again plays into recruiting and that sort of thing. Um, you gotta, you gotta win these, and um, you know, nobody, nobody wants to lose at anything uh, <laughs> in any situation like that. But, but, but certainly, obviously, it's not what hangs a banner in your. Uh, in your gym or whatever, but it, it's it's plays on the minds of fans. It plays on the minds of the, the kids in the room. It plays on the minds of the coaches. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a pretty heated rivalry over the years. So there's a lot lot that goes into that. Even though, yeah, it's not what hangs a banner, but it's it, it's pretty crucial to both these programs' success. So. How did this duel come about? I think John Smith referenced that it was Coach Brands from Iowa's idea. Just is this kind of an unusual matchup at the end of the season? Yeah, it definitely is, and that's uh, kind of an interesting thing because you see, uh, if you ever watch the kind of the mannerisms of both those guys in the matches and the duels and anything they do, you know, they, it gets heated at times, and they <laughs> it comes off as this thing where they're you know both ready to kill each other or whatever, but. 
but in, in all reality, they've done, I think both coaches know what's good for their programs, what's good for the sport as, of wrestling as a whole and growing it and doing all these different things. And brands, John has said kind of quite a few times that brands has been sort of the brains behind uh, doing the duel at Kinnick, uh, which is in, in Iowa's football stadium a couple of years ago where they got 45,000 people to go to. Um, the uh, And then obviously this one here, it was brands that came up with the, the idea here. And I think, and John said it too, but it, it's a great idea for both programs as far as just the timing of how they've, you know, leading into the postseason, uh, obviously it's good to kind of have your best guys wrestling other good guys to kind of build into your conference tournaments and everything. But, I mean, all eyes on wrestling right now are on this match. You know, they're not talking about Penn State. They're not talking about Ohio State. They're not talking about anybody else. They're talking about um, OSU-Iowa, which, you know, they would be if it was in January. But it's really the sport's kind of focused on it right now, and it's, it's a pretty cool thing, though the way they've coordinated this one and even like, say, so go back to a couple of years ago at Kinnick yeah. and how they kind of do those things together. So. And and speaking of attendance, you've been writing a little bit about how Oklahoma State has a chance to break their single season attendance record, I believe. Is that is that still in play, and how could this duel well, affect that? Yeah, well, the what I've kind of been tracking on it, they're, it's kind of – it's kind of odd how it played out, and I can't I can't confirm anything past like or excuse me prior to the year 2000. But obviously, we know as Oklahoma State fans, before 2000, they only had a 6,000 person arena right. um, in, in Gallagher, Iowa, where they you know raise the roof and all that stuff. Um, but but there's I believe it's Matt Talk online um, is a is a wrestling website. They've tracked attendance for all the major programs since uh, since it just kind of happened to coincide with the year that, that you know, Gallagher-Iba expanded. But, uh, but, but this year, basically, OSU, if they get 11,000 people this weekend, they will break their – they will have the highest average um, that they've ever had in uh, during that time they've been tracking that. And obviously, when you go back to a 6,000-person arena – I can't track any numbers before that, but there's really you can't see any feasible way that they ever would have matched that number unless they, you know, just maxed out every time that they came, you know, every minor goal, which, you know, for the wrestling air force or something like that, they're not going to, even 20 years ago, they're not going to, you know, sell that out. So basically if they get 11,000 roughly on uh, Sunday, that they'll break, they'll have their highest average ever. Um, more than likely, definitely for the past 20 years, their highest and and likely, you know, ever, because I can't go back further than the uh, the 2000 numbers that they track. But, but it's obviously a, a really positive thing. I think, uh, you know, basketball's down a little bit. Football didn't quite do, uh, you know, what they've been doing the last couple of years for a lot of people. When that happens, they revert back to wrestling and, uh, and obviously, <laughs> it's kind of our OSU as a whole, their best program. So, uh, tenants has been really good this year, for sure. That's impressive, considering the, the arena was what it is now when they were winning four straight national championships back when they had Johnny Hendricks and those guys. So, that's, yeah. that's pretty impressive it, as far as attendance is concerned. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's I want, wild to me that that's the case. But. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about, the, obviously, you wrote about it, the, the main event, Dayton Fix against Austin DeSanto. But before I ask you about that match, Kyle jinxed Dayton Fix so hard this year. He was asking me if he was going to be like Kale <laughs> Sanderson and go his entire career without losing, and he lost his very next match. What happened? How did... How does Dayton Fix have a have a loss? I don't think this is Kyle jinxed him. Yeah, it's kind of it, it's strange because the uh, the last match that Dayton was in that was kind of hyped to the level that that this one this weekend is was against Nick Suriano, and uh, you know there's a lot of build up for it. He's, he's Suriano was a national runner up last year from New Jersey. Um, they'd wrestled some of the craziest matches uh one of the craziest wrestling matches i've ever seen uh when they were back in high school and so there was a lot a lot of build up for that and then uh dayton won that um and then they uh rolled into i think it was almost kind of a i, I don't know i wrote about it a little bit when i when it, the match actually happened but it was kind of a it almost seemed like in basketball or football or something when you call something a trap game uh he next week you kind of you still have a really good match good competitor, great wrestler and everything that was coming out against them, but it, it's not Nick Serenano. It doesn't have the name. It doesn't have the height. It doesn't have anything else. And uh, the, the kid was just able to get to his legs late, took Dayton down, which, you know, is not – I would say the one flaw in Dayton's game I, that I've kind of seen is some people can get to his legs and, uh, you know, if they're good finishers, they can finish shots. And really Dayton was on his offense the whole match – you know, I mean, he looked the better wrestler in every position you could think about. But some of the time, you know, your timing, your takedowns, and things like that is ultimately what's win, what wins a match. And that's that's really what happened. The kid got a really late takedown, uh, beat Dayton, and uh, you know, kind of threw all that off. But I, I don't think it takes away from, like I said, if you watch the match, it's not like he just got dominated or something like that. It doesn't really yeah. take anything away. from the talent he is as a kid. Um, but, but, you know, he did, it's kind of, <laughs> I, I think I, I wrote it, I've thrown a little bit about it, but you, you get with any athlete, everybody kind of builds it up as, you know, these superstars and different things like that. And the kid's great. He's a good kid. He's a good wrestler. You know, all the things about him are awesome, but at the end of the day, they're still human. I mean, Kale Sanderson, yeah, was, you know, undefeated, four years, all that stuff. Well, he's the only guy that's ever done that. And when you kind of declare that this might be that next kid, it, it, it's hard to, to say that. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to put that kind of, like, expectation on anyone because it's just – it doesn't happen too often. As it's good not, as he it, is. It sounds, like, it sounds like you guys are both blaming me. It's pretty much <laughs> Kyle's fault. What's the closest Kale ever came to losing? Oh, he – he actually lost, which is something that I guess Dayton never did, which uh, Dayton was, it's kind of a long story, but he was uh, in the on the U23 world team, so he didn't wrestle a lot of college matches in his redshirt year. Sanderson did lose in his uh, redshirt year, um, so uh, that's something a lot of people don't talk about. But, but you know, it Shady. You know, Ultima doesn't go on his record. But, but I, probably a couple, three, four-point matches. I know when he wrestled Daniel Cormier in the NCAA Finals, I think it was maybe four or so that he beat Cormier by. Mm. Um, so he's, I mean, he, he didn't wrestle a lot of close matches. But so, I, I will say, I think with wrestling in general, uh, it's, and, you know, we're talking 
I just mentioned Daniel Cormier. He was an Olympian and, you know, one of the best UFC fighters ever. But and so to say, I don't say this to downgrade the guys that, you know, 10, 15 years ago that were in wrestling, but wrestling is better now. It, it truly is. Like uh, the height of the high school kids, 133, the weight Dayton is at, is is arguably the best college weight that, I mean, uh, that I've seen in, in any time that I can remember in kind of being a fan of the sport. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of another part of the, the expectation of this kid is he's wrestling some of the, probably the toughest weight in the country right now, you know, coming out as a true freshman or as a retro freshman with all these big expectations for him. So, so, so set this, set this matchup, uh, up for us this weekend against Iowa with, with Dayton and th- this kid from Iowa is a lunatic, isn't he? He's crazy. Every every video you've every video you've shown us in Slack, I'm like, this this guy's nuts. Like, what's his deal? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I don't know. You know, I don't want to like. I I don't like to kind of beat up on any college kid, even if it's an Iowa guy or whatever else. I don't know <laughs> what all his backstory is, but basically, in in a match, you know, maybe there's more going on there than behind the scenes that I don't know about, <laughs> but ultimately it's, it's wild to watch some of the stuff he does. He's made the villain of himself in the sport with all these different things he's done. But last year at the NCAA tournament, he was wrestling, uh, Steve, uh, Stavon Michich, who's a, uh, finals last year and number one rank out there weight right now. And he's losing pretty bad getting beat. And he suddenly comes out of nowhere and puts him in a Kimura and starts trying to break his arm. And, um, and you know, refs have to break it up. It's kind of, I mean, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I, you don't, you might see a swing every once in a while or something like that. I, I don't think I've ever seen something like that in wrestling. And um, so that started, you know, the kind of what's going on with this guy. And then this year it's been, it's not been anything quite that severe, but he is, uh, I mean, even in his wins, he's wrestling these kids, and he just goes nuts on them. And will uh, <laughs> I mean, there was a guy he, he beat in a match, I think from Minnesota, and he, as he's, you know, the match is basically over. There's a couple seconds left. He just shoves him and starts waving to the ground. It's at Minnesota, of course. And I don't know, his antics are, are, are definitely different. I don't, I don't know what all's going on there, but he's kind of made a, a a name for himself that you don't necessarily want to make for yourself in any sport. And, uh, you know, it, it did result. They have suspended, they suspended him for a match or two, I believe. And, you know, he's, he's been, he's had a lot of trouble, but there's no doubting his talent. I mean, he's right there with Dayton. Um, he, he's good. <laughs> he's a very, very good wrestler, but yeah, his, some of the stuff he does on that is, is kind of, is crazy. I don't know. I, I don't know. To me, it's, it. <laughs> to me, it's kind of a throwback. You know, my dad went to those duels against Oklahoma at Gallagher Hall back in the day, and he said that the OU wrestlers would walk out with, like, double birds, just two middle fingers up to the crowd. <laughs> like, they would win and do that. Like, I, to me, it sounds like he's a little bit of a throwback. Now, you juxtapose that with, with Dayton Fix. I guess, Seth, just kind of illustrate for people who don't know, like, I don't even know that that, that well, but, like, I guess Dayton Fix is kind of the – the golden child, the, the good guy versus the bad guy. Is that kind of the scenario we're seeing? Oh, this yeah. It, it, it's the perfect storm of, like, I mean, if you're scripted, if you're Vince McMahon and you're scripting a, a WWE match, you, you set it up the way <laughs> these kids have with their own personalities. And it's just what they do. Dayton, he really is. He's, uh, you know, I don't want to say 
know, we cover these guys and you want to be like biased or whatever, but they, he's a good kid. He, he truly is. I, I feedback from parents that are, you know, of recruits and different things like that. And everybody that knows him, he's off the charts as far as just how he handles himself, how he talks to people, how he, um, if you watch, if you go to a match second after he's done with it, he walks into the crowd and starts signing little kids autographs. I mean, he does mm-hmm. everything that you kind of want to see a wrestler do as far as like, you know, representing your program and different things like that. And then on the flip side of it, <laughs> it complete opposite with DeSanto. And, and it's, it's really, it sets up exactly that. It's, it's, it's kind of, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, I can't, I'm sure Gallagher, I was going to be pretty fired up to let this kid know their thoughts on him. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm an Iowa fan though, or whatever, I, I'm probably defending this kid and I want him on my side. <laughs> he, he legitimately is. As much as, as good of a wrestler as Dayton is, and you know, as, as much as we build him up, and, and he really is great, he's a great kid, great wrestler, everything else. DeSanto is very good, so it's not like a thing where uh, you know I, I expect Dayton to go out there and just blow through him or anything like that. He he could, and, and I would say almost should win, but but he's definitely going to be pushed on Saturday or Sunday. Excuse me. Yeah, that that's uh that should be fun. I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I did want to ask you real quick before we let you go. Um, who on OSU's team thus far you've been most surprised by or, or impressed with? And I think you know a lot of these guys they come in with such high expectations, but who who's somebody that you're like, wow, I didn't I didn't really expect him to have this good of a year coming into the season. Um. I would say, and I, I kind of wrote about it today, but the the two, uh, <laughs> the, the way I, the way I I guess spelled it out was the uh, uh, the, the undercard matches for the main event being fixed. Yeah. The Santo. yeah. But um, uh, both ends of the spectrum, you got your 125 with Nick Piccinini, and you got your heavyweight with Derek Wyatt. Um, Nick, Nick Piccinini, you know, he's an All Americans freshman year. He's a very talented kid. Uh, good wrestler, everything else. Uh, he came in with high expectations, naturally. But but he, last year at the NCAA tournament, he kind of he ran in some some bad matchups, just the way the bracket fell out. And uh, guy, he just didn't match up well and lost to both of them. But uh, and, and ended up not being an All American last year. So there are people, you know, in, in the general, you kind of worry about how a kid handles that and how they bounce back or whatever because. When you're you finish fourth as a freshman and then you go and you don't place the next year, that's a hard thing to to come back from. And he he's done it well. He's undefeated this year. He's uh, his big test this weekend is essentially one of the guys that beat him at the NCAA tournament this week or excuse me last year. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how he handles that emotionally and you know steps out in front of the big stage against this guy that beat him last year and was a uh NCAA champ last year but as a whole he's looked really really good this year um the other side of the spectrum was Derek White uh most people know kind of the backstory on him uh or if you're more a casual wrestling fan you may not but basically he was a 197 last year his nickname is the bulk job <laughs> or 197 two years ago excuse me and uh he was wrestled 197 put on 50 pounds of muscle over the summer trying to bulk up to fill out heavyweight because OSU didn't really have much of a, I guess, a solution at heavyweight without him going up. And they had a really good 187 with uh, Preston Weigel back. And so he's put on all his size, He's and he's 
been impressive. He kind of last year nobody really knew what to expect with him. I guess the heavyweight. It was his first year up there. How's he going to? You know, how was his stock going to translate? And he was good. He he you know he shined. He impressed and stuff. But he wasn't. He ended up not uh, finishing one one match outside of being an All American last year, and didn't quite kind of just didn't quite get over that hump of, of being into that category of an All-American. And, you know, and that's kind of most of those guys' goals. Uh, this year, he lost one match to a superstar freshman uh, in uh, uh, Gable Stevenson, a Minnesota kid that's kind of he's, – he's more or less like the, the date and fix of heavyweight as far as, you know, big, big expectations and everything that he has coming in. But uh, – that's really been his only loss, and it was it was one big move, one big takedown that lost him that match. Other than that, he's been flawless. He's beat everybody um, at his everybody that came in front of him besides him, and he's wrestled a lot of really top, like elite elite guys at the heavyweight at heavyweight. Um, and so, I, I, I've been impressed, Derek. I, I just to to make that move to transition to bulk up like that to manage to kind of adjust your style to cater to what those big guys do. Uh, it's been really impressive to watch him and, uh, and he's had a lot of success. And that, this is one that, like I said, Stevenson right now, uh, Derek is second in the country, I think. And, and everything sets up for him to be the two seed if he wins this weekend. Um, and then it'll be opposite Stevenson in the bracket. And, uh, but, but he's got a big one stole this weekend. Uh, and, Sold a really good wrestler beat Derek in the duel last year. Was I think went into four overtimes and I don't know a wild match. So that one should be a lot of fun too. Yeah, those heavyweight matches are always so tight. Uh, Seth, we appreciate your time. We'll get you out on this. Just what are your uh, what's your prediction for the duel and and perhaps give us give us like a swing weight. You know, it seems in these these duels there's like there's like one or two matches that you kind of circle and say, well, the the duel could swing on on this one. Well, I, I I don't want to be, I guess, kind of. There are three or four matches that I think could go either direction. They could swing a lot of momentum in both teams' direction, sure. and so I think if, if 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 it breaks in one team's direction, one team could run away with it, and that's that goes on both sides, depending on how those couple of matches go. Three of them are the ones that is talked about, but I I really one that I would circle on the. One that I would circle on is Cade Brock at 141. Um, he's going to be there's. It's either going to be Vince Turk or Max Mian, which are their two uh, 141s. They've kind of switched it up with who they've been starting. Cade um, was a 133 last year. He's a real talented kid, good wrestler, but he he really his adjustment from 133 to 141 has not gone well. He's kind of uh, he's not he's still quality wrestler but he's, he's lost matches that he's been up in late he's he's kind of just had some things that just didn't really break his way and i think um this is a big this is a very winnable one for him who whichever guy they send out there and i think as far as the duel goes and momentum going into the next matches and some of the other matches in, in the duel it'll mean a whole lot for him to get a win there for him going in the postseason and for the team as a whole in this duel that's one I really kind of think is maybe a little bit under the radar as far as its importance and how the whole duel plays out. So, 
Good stuff. Seth, we appreciate your time. Uh, we're looking forward to it, and we'll, uh, of course, uh, follow your coverage on uh, on PFB. Thanks for joining Wait, us. Wait, you didn't pick anybody? As far as, like, the dual score? Yeah. Who, who wins? Okay. It, I, no, I'll, I'll take OSU. But uh, <laughs> I would say I haven't really done my full breakdown of the duels. So I should, and, and I <laughs> so I feel a little weird in, in saying that. I, I think OSU is going to win at home. There's uh, They've kind of just grinded out duels, and I think they have. But there's a couple – I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit nervous on this one. There's a few, there's a few matchups that I think could go either way, and if they spurn in the wrong direction – it could kind of unravel quickly. But, but I do think as a whole, OSU wins a couple of those tight ones. I think Dayton beat, does beat DeSanto, and that's a huge one. I do think White beats uh, uh, Seoul, and that's another big one. And that, that momentum will kind of carry the team in the right direction, and they'll win a few of the other toss-ups, which will ultimately lead it towards OSU. But I would – I don't. It, it it could be one that goes either way for sure, but I, I will take OSU on it. Golly, Kyle put you on the hot seat there. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Seth knows more about OSU wrestling than any of us know about anything. So I I, <laughs> I figured I figured he'd be able to respond adequately. Now I'm I'm kidding, Seth. Uh, we we do like your your stuff has been awesome, and and people have commented to me about how cool it is that we have somebody covering wrestling and who knows so much about it and. Um, so yeah, I just want to kind of publicly commend you for that and, and, uh, just say you've been doing a great job and, uh, excited for Sunday. All right. Thanks guys. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to you later. Carson, I had a, uh, I had a buddy text me the other day and say, are you, are you guys doing anything for the OSU Iowa thing on Sunday? And I was like, bro, we're sending three people there. We've got a photographer, <laughs> We've got Marshall covering it. We Seth will be there. He'll have a he'll have some stuff on it. We we might this might be a wrestling and golf blog now slash podcast. Yeah, I mean you you guys are covering it harder and better than anybody. It seems three people. I mean no one else is gonna have three people there. It's great too because it's it's you know when basketball is kind of is what it is and you know football is you know. You haven't gotten to spring ball yet. It's like, yeah, we'll cover wrestling and golf. This is awesome. It's the two things that Oklahoma State's best at. Yeah, so, no, it's, uh, and it's really cool that they're doing this this Iowa duel at the end of the season. I think the goal that they had in mind is is coming to fruition. It seems as if Seth, as Seth put it, the whole wrestling community is focused on it, and of course, yeah. you know, PFB and and people that follow OSU are as well. So it's it's gonna be a big time event. I was talking to my dad the other day, and he's like. He's like, hey, that Seth guy. He's like, he's awesome. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know he's great. He knows yeah. a ton of stuff. No, my uh, dad, my dad eats this coverage up too, and uh, he's always following the the Twitter updates from OSU wrestling. So <laughs> he'll be he'll be locked in on on Sunday as well. That's fantastic. Um, let's go. Let's 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 do the schedule for this week while we're while we're talking about wrestling. Let's get to this week's OSU schedule, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Carson, we have uh, we missed a couple things at the beginning of the week because we're taping later on, but we have Oklahoma State baseball this weekend in Stillwater against Wright State. You always get those fun early season matchups against teams you've never heard of. Uh, women's basketball against Kansas at home on Saturday. Men's basketball at Kansas State on Saturday. Uh, but then, obviously, the main event – uh, is wrestling against Iowa on Sunday in Gallagher, Iowa. So 
that's kind of what we'll be focused on throughout the weekend, primarily the wrestling duel. And, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, the basketball team at Kansas State is going to be a tough tough matchup. But, hey, they did get a win against uh, TCU. But that was a oh, important wins, not the right way to put it, but I thought it was a testament to Mike Boynton keeping this team engaged despite, you know, they, they all know it's a lost season. They all know that they're completely their hands are completely tied with having six seven guys so i thought that was that was cool to see them getting a, an important win i i agree i think it was important because you know I, I wrote about this last week they're tracking for one of the worst seasons in oklahoma state basketball history and that's just not something you want to i mean i i get it like it's a down year but that's not something you want to have on on your resume and, you know, this is the hundred and I think it's the hundred and tenth season of OSU basketball. And if they if they would have lost out, then I think they would have they would have been like the hundredth best season or I guess the tenth worst and potentially the worst ever, I think, in or not the worst ever because they had a few winless uh, conference seasons. But that was in like the 20s. So so the worst ever since like World War Two in, in conference play. Uh, but now, you know, they've, they've kind of escaped that, um, like that they, they won't finish with the worst ever, but you know, I, I do think it's important to win some of these games at the end of the year. You just, you just don't want that on your resume. If you're, if you're Boynton, if you're any of those players and, uh, it's, it is cool that they're still playing hard and, and still winning games. That being said, at Kansas state, it's going to be tough. The octagon of doom will be uh, a tough place to play. So two things I didn't know embarrassingly enough didn't know k-state was was winning the big 12 i didn't know that i didn't know that one of the the guys on tech is going to be like a top three draft pick yeah i've been seeing his name the Jarrett culver kid from texas yeah. tech kevin like o'connor top, top kevin five. o'connor of of the ringer had him going number two behind zion whoa that's crazy i didn't know he was that good i mean i knew he was a top 10 prospect uh just based on the mock drafts that i'd seen but I haven't honestly haven't watched enough tech. I mean, the game that the game you and I watched, we were doing a podcast during when they were playing OSU, and uh, OSU was down by thirty. So yeah. I haven't watched a whole lot of him. But uh, yeah. no, I mean, K State, unless they severely screw up, it looks like they're going to win the league. Yeah, which is which is crazy because people wanted Bruce Weber fired like two years ago, right? He he was like uh, their Travis Ford, pretty much. Yeah. They, he, they were saddled with this contract they had signed him to, and they made the Elite Eight last year. Kind of, kind of had the the Bryce. He pulled a uh, he pulled a Scott Drew, not a Bryce Drew, a Scott Drew, <laughs> Bryce Drew, and played like double digit seeds on his way to the Elite Eight. Which hey, he made That's it. That's the way I to go. Yeah, he got to play a sixteen in the second round, so oh, barely won that one. That. Barely won that one. Because Virginia, oh, that would have been that would have been awesome if a sixteen would have gone yeah. to the to the won Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> Um, okay, so since we are a uh, wrestling and golf podcast now, you want to talk about the prestige? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously unbelievable that, that Victor Hovland wins the individual over uh, over Matthew Wolf, I guess you could say. But are, is it a little disconcerting they lost by six strokes to the team, to, to LSU? Yeah, it's not great. I mean, they had, they had basically their... They had uh, Hovland wins. Eckroat finishes T3 or T4. 
and Wolf finishes T14, and then nobody else finishes in the top 25, which is, uh, it's not, yeah, it's not good. I mean, it's, you know, whatever, like it's the middle of February and I'm not super concerned about it because yeah, I'm just, I'm just not, but it, it did seem like a tournament that they, uh, especially they were leading like late on not late, but in the middle of the day on Wednesday. And it seemed like something they, they should have closed out, but I do have some stats here for you that, that might, that might be of interest to you, Carson, you ready for this? I think so. So this is from uh, college golf connoisseur, Sean Martin of the PGA tour, a friend of the podcast. He said, Hovland and Wolf have played in the same event five times this season. They're two, two and one against each other. And Hovland is actually beating him 893 to 896. Is that all you got? You there? Sorry, you, sorry, you cut out there. I, they played together five times is the last thing I heard. Yeah, so they, they've played in the same event five times. They're 2-2-1 yeah. two, two and one against each other. And, and Hovland is beating him 893 to 896. And they each have three, <laughs> and they each have three wins. That's absurd. Are we, are we positive that Wolf is the guy here? I'm not. I mean, <laughs> I'm not positive. No, I mean, I think it was. I think that, Wolf, it was that e- easy to sway you? Well, no. I th- I think it's 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 kind of ludicrous to think back <clears throat> to the fact that Hovland won the USAM in like the most dominant fashion I we've know. ever seen. He he barely lost a hole I know. in a match play, and he was the number one golfer last year on the team. He was the first out. Every single match or every single, you know, all the way to the national championship. So, yes, while, while Wolf's been out of this world, great. I mean, Hovland's been right there. So, uh, it's a nice one-two punch to have. How, how about this? I have numbers for you, too. Okay, let's go. This is why, this is why probably you shouldn't be concerned. You know, obviously, oh, oh she's not going to win every golf tournament they enter this year. So, uh, this was bound to happen at some point. But uh, Matthew Wolf's total score was 215. Yeah. Every single LSU golfer, all five, were 215 or better. Mm. That's that's not sustainable if you're LSU. That's I mean, crazy. All five guys tied or only all four of their five beat Wolf head up and their fifth guy tied him. So that, that tells you all you need to know. But here here's an important question I think moving forward for Oklahoma State golf. And I've been I've been watching the scores most of the year. You know, Hayden Wood won the OGA. And we all thought, man, that's an overqualified guy to have in the five hole. But he finishes, he shoots 77 his first round, finishes T47. Uh, OSU had a, a freshman named Amon Gupta. I think that's yeah. how you say that? Yeah. Uh, he, he finished T30. He was four strokes better than than Wolf. I, I think uh, that's a decision I think Alan Bratton's going to have to look at all season. Is is he going to replace Hayden Wood? Wait, he, who's an, he was... He was four strokes better than Wolf or than Wood? Than Wood. Okay, I'm, gotcha. I'm just talking about the five hole here. Yeah. I'm not trying to replace Matthew Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that's a that's something that I think uh, Alan Bratton's going to have to look at. You know, I've been reading. I just finished The Last Putt, which I've talked about on this podcast before. People are probably tired of hearing about it. But, uh, you know, Stanford that year when they had Tiger and they were going up, going up against OSU, one of their most experienced players, one of their best players, just started struggling, could barely break 80. And he got replaced by by a freshman, and the freshman played really well in the Nationals. So I, I think that's that's something I think Bratton will have to look at as the season progresses. But as you said, it's only February, but that's that's something that stuck out to me. 
Yeah, it, it is it is tough because you've got your guys. Like you're not gonna replace obviously Hovland and Wolf and probably Eckroat too. And and Boshu even. But yeah, the the fifth spot you're like, okay, well you could put you, you, things change. I mean, they had different guys, I think, playing in the in the national championship last year than they had in January or February. Maybe not last year, but that does happen. And it will be interesting to see how it's um how it's kind of managed over the over the next few months. Uh, I got a good comp for you from somebody about who Hovland is as a as a future pro. Mm, can I guess? Well, you may have. I wrote about it, so it may, you might have already read it. But oh, you can maybe guess. I have. No, go ahead. What was your guess? I didn't really have one ready. I was going to think about it. <laughs> you know, someone who isn't isn't jaw dropping off the tee, just. Greens and regulation, yeah, pars you, pars you to death, yeah, and makes makes enough birdies to to be on the top twenty, yeah. Charles mm-hmm. Howell, uh, that's that's a good one. Uh, this person's uh, comp was Paul Casey. Ah, good good iron play. Yeah, I thought it was a gr- I thought it was a great. He th- this person that I talked to, it's not Sean Martin, it was somebody else. They're like he's he's just um, he's just Swedish Paul Casey. Norwegian. Is he Swedish? He's, he's Norwegian. Nor- he's, he's Norwegian Paul Casey. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was I thought that was really good. I thought that was a good comp. Um, apologies. Well, he's gonna play. It. He's gonna he's gonna play in the Masters, and I'm interested to see. Obviously, just if he makes the cut, it would be tremendous. But oh, it'd be, it'd be interested awesome. to see how he interested to see how he does. You know, Tiger played the Masters as a as a college freshman, and he finished t41. He made the cut. So. That'd be, yeah, the that'd last, be a big accomplishment. The last person to, I think, really kind of contend, I guess you had Bryson in, in 15, or 16, I guess. He played the year Danny Will at one. He was he was leading uh, on Friday. Or like, <laughs> yeah. Or, like, tied for the lead. But the last person before that, I think, was Ryan Moore in, like, 04 or 05. I think he finished, like, T15 as an amateur, which is just – it's kind of insane when you think about it to, to where, like, you're going to the Masters as an amateur and you're finishing in the top 20 at the Masters. I mean, it's one thing to do it at, like, the Phoenix Open or whatever, but to do that at Augusta is just – I mean, to make the cut there is crazy. Considering do they still – do the amateurs still stay in the bird's nest or whatever that is? The crow's nest, yeah. Crow's nest, do they yeah, still stay they there? Yeah. I read about that in the book as well. I guess Tiger and, and Trip Trip Caney, I guess how you yeah. say his last name. Yeah. They stayed up there. So Um Okay, I got I got uh I got two more things I want to talk about, but let's hear first from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we'll come back and and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one stop cowboy shop since nineteen eighty six and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, first thing before we get to our one interesting thing is uh, Oklahoma State came out with its spring roster, and we've got some new numbers for guys. We've got 
incoming freshmen with numbers. We got some guys that were on the team last year that changed the numbers. Have you seen uh, the new the new roster? I have. Any? I any, mean, anything that stands out? Well, first, I mean, Landon Wolf takes Jalen McCluskey's spot in the, in the starting lineup, and then he takes his number. That was interesting. He switches from like, eighty-eight to number one. Yeah, I like that. I think that's. I like I like him going to number one. Eighty-eight didn't fit him. He's not big enough. Yeah. Dude, can I say I don't, I don't like the the number one on the new uniforms. It just mm. looks. It doesn't look like the number one. It looks like um, a lowercase L. If <laughs> that makes sense. There's no like. There's no. Nothing at the bottom or the top. It's just a straight line. I don't know. It just it, to me, it looks like a. A dash more than a number one. Yeah. I don't yeah. like it. Okay. So Des would Des would not like that either. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have here? Brendan Costello, number nine. Do you have any any thoughts or feelings about that? John Kohler, he just no no grace period at all. Just give me your number. See ya. <laughs> I don't I don't know that that deserved a grace period. No, I know. I'm just kidding. But no, I mean uh, uh, I like single digits on my quarterbacks. I like single digits yeah. on everybody. <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's a common theme. <laughs> They're uh they're three six nine, Spencer Drew and Costello. Shout out to Little John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't, don't understand that I, reference. Yeah, I don't get. There's it no way that. you do. Like there was I a mean, song I, by Little John. Uh, uh, get low was the name of the song. Yeah, and when, yeah, no, when, we were, I, when we were freshmen, it was played at every single house party you walked into. I'm sure you went to a lot of parties. I. Because <laughs> I did. <laughs> um. What else do we have here? Desmond Jackson, we're in twenty-seven. I mean, it's I'm, I'm going to call him. Um, well, now, now his name just escaped me. The kid that just transferred to Georgia State. Oh, JD King. JD King. I'm I'm definitely going to call him JD King on accident at some point when he carries the ball. Oh yeah, same number I, and everything. Yeah, for sure. Uh, nobody's number five right now. Kyle Boone said that he thinks that. Um, What's his name? This is embarrassing. We can't remember anybody's name. The 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 freshman running back coming Glass DeAndre Glass is going to be number five, mm. which would be which would be kind of kind of great taking Justice's number. Uh, I think that was pretty much it. There there wasn't anything crazy. Tom yeah, Hutton, no, no, nothing the, like uh, nothing like Mason Rudolph switching numbers <laughs> from yeah. ten to two. The punter uh, went gets twenty nine. Is that just like reserved for the punters? That's what I thought too. Like it's just like, well, this is all we have left. So here you go. <laughs> You're the punter. You have no say in this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's all from from the number changing. That's always fun to look at, though. Uh, okay. Last thing. One interesting thing. You got to participate this participate in this at our house last week with our kids. Yeah. Um, do you have what's your one interesting thing for Oklahoma State this week? Well, as I mentioned, I, I finished the last putt, uh, mm. the book. You've read this, right? I think you recommended it. Yeah. Yeah. So I finally finished it. And again, I, I know I've talked about it a lot, but if I would implore you, if you want to learn more about Mike Holder, you have to get this book. I, I learned so much about him. I have an even more, I have even a more respect for him after reading this book. He's very tough, but he's fair. And he's he really was an innovator and, and re- revolutionized a lot of things with not just golf, but just college athletics as well and i thought one of the coolest things you know the the, the final round they overcame like a an eight shot or, or they were nine shots down with like three or four holes to play and they came all the way back but 
what was really a cool antidote in this was uh, Holder, he was rubbing a lucky Buckeye in his pocket during the final round, which I guess they won the national championship at the Buckeye course there in Columbus, Ohio, back in like 1980. And this is taking place in 1995. But he also had a ticket uh, around his around his belt like he had to buy to get in. Well, apparently, early in his career, he was not recognized by the NCAA or whomever at the gate. So he had to buy a ticket to get in, and he won his first national championship. And ever ever since then, he's always bought a ticket into the national championship as a you know superstition, which I thought was just really cool and just so Mike Holder. It was it was pretty funny. That's hilarious. Maybe maybe that's why uh, OSU wouldn't credential PFB for a long time. They wanted us to just buy a ticket like Mike Holder. He was trying to send a message. He was trying to show you the way. <laughs> That's a great holder story. There's so many of them. Oh, there's uh, so many. I, I, again, I would just implore anyone to read it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my one interesting thing is Barry Trammell wrote a really interesting piece about uh, – it's kind of about Oklahoma State basketball. I would say it's more about Mike Boynton. He was kind of embedded uh, in the program for a day. I uh, got to just basically live the life that Boynton lives for – not really 20, 24 hours, but more like 10 or 12 hours. And I thought it was fascinating. It was a, it was a cool look into Boynton's life and everything that's going on. And one of the one of my quotes that was a takeaway was when he was talking about uh, Michael Weathers and Maurice Kalu and some of these guys, that, uh, Contravious Jones, that got kicked off. And he said something like, I could have I, – I, I don't have the exact quote pulled up, but it was, it was something like I could have – maybe found a way to keep those guys. But if you have standards, then you need to, you need to keep your standards, you know? And I thought that was so interesting on a number of different levels. And, you know, speaking of Mike Holder, you know, him reading that or seeing that it's just like, like he just loves that. Like he lives for stuff like that. And I, I just thought, I thought the whole piece was interesting and specifically that quote was pretty interesting because I, I, I hadn't, I guess, maybe heard him say I could have found a way to uh, – he, he said something like I could have maybe found a way to keep those guys um, but decided not to. And, yeah, I thought it was a cool look into Boynton's, like, life and uh, thought process and, and everything else. Yeah, that's really cool. I need to go back and read that. I saw it posted and I, I hadn't read it yet. But, uh, you know, trammel embedded with anybody, I'm, I'm down to read. So Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so it was – yeah, it was excellent. Um, okay, Carson, I am about to be on Tiger duty here in a little bit. Um, what do you got going on the rest of the week? I'm on Tiger duty too. Uh, I'll have to watch <laughs> that. Um, I'm interested to see how the WGC plays out. And uh, Ricky, first Ricky's tournament finally since back. his win. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And obviously the, the wrestling duel that we discussed with uh, Seth Duckworth. I'll be watching that. I got to be in studio on Sunday, so I won't be there. But I will be. Uh, I'll be watching. Is it on TV? It's got to be on TV, surely. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to check I'm that. Not... I'm pr- pretty sure it's probably on. I would think it would be on Fox Sports uh, Southwest. At worst, but, it'll uh, be on. It'll be on Flow. Yeah, I'll have to to log in on Flow if that's the case. Yeah, we've got. A, I think we have a username and password, so I'll send it to you. But uh, yeah, good show. Thanks again to Seth for coming on, and we will talk again very soon. All right, sounds good. See you, Carson.